enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. All things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. For those of you tuning in for the first time, my name is Monica and I am guest hosting for Aaron this week. Today we will be taking a deep dive into the Disney film Cruella. Spoiler warning, you may want to make sure you watch the film before listening further. The Temple of Geek podcast has been around since 2012 and is hosted by a variety of geeky people from the Temple of Geek team. Here we discuss and celebrate fandoms and all things geek. And to our returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in. We appreciate you being here. With me today are two members of the Temple of Geek team, Maddie and Corona. Can you please introduce yourselves and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Maddie. Um, I am the deputy editor and a lead writer for Temple of Geek. Um, I am a cosplayer, and I also am the host for Cosplay Connection. Hi, I'm Corinna from Germany. I am a writer for Temple of Geek. I'm also a cosplayer, and my newest cosplay is, of course, Cruella. Uh, And I also love to do nerdy fan art. Awesome. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining us. So let's get started. Let's get into it. So Cruella is set in the 1970s London amidst the punk rock revolution. It follows the life of a young grifter named Estella, who is determined to make a name for herself with her designs. She befriends a pair of young thieves, and together they are able to build a life for themselves on the London streets. One day, Estella's flair for fashion catches the eye of fashion legend Baroness von Hellman. But their relationship sets in motion a course of events and revelations that will cause Estella to embrace her wicked side and become the revenge-bent Cruella. Cruella stars Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, Joel Fry, Paul Walter Hauser, Emily Beckman, Kirby Howe-Baptiste, and Mark Strong. The film is directed by Craig Gillespie. All right, so first things first, uh, let's get an overall feelings from everyone. What did you think about the film? This film was not at all what I expected, but in the best ways. The aesthetic was beautiful. The acting was incredible. I loved that it was a reinvention of Cruella. It didn't feel like an origin story like I had anticipated. And I really love the direction that they chose to go with this one. I did not knew what to expect from the movie when I heard they were doing a Cruella origin story. I was a bit skeptical at first because everyone knows Cruella was that lady that wanted to kill puppies for fur in the old Disney movies. And so I was slightly negative uh, biased, but when I saw the trailer, I knew I had to watch it and I'm glad that I did. I think it's a perfect mix of everything, brilliant actors wonderful music, stunning costumes, the whole fashion thing. And the movie is about 130 minutes long. And when I watched it for the first time, it was over after two hours. I looked at my watch and it didn't feel that way. So it's very entertaining, no useless parts. And I am happy and satisfied with what Disney made of that story. Absolutely. I agree with both of you. And I was surprised by the trailer, I think. You know, I heard that the movie was coming. I was a little bit skeptical as well. 
I wasn't like a huge fan of the Maleficent. That's the first time we really saw like a live action origin story. And so I was a little bit skeptical about Cruella, but I was really intrigued by the trailer. I thought that the costumes and the music were brilliant, but I had very little expectation for the story itself. And so then when I saw the film, I was pleasantly surprised. I was really excited. And I think Cruella is now my favorite live action remake from the Disney films. So I really love the Cinderella one, but I think uh, Cruella is definitely topping that now. So then uh, let me ask you, what did you guys think about the storyline? This is an origin story for Cruella. What did you think about what they did with this retelling of the story? Like we were talking about a little bit ago with the, you know, the whole puppy killer thing. That's something that I feel like a lot of people are really worried about this story. And I love that Disney went in a completely different direction. And they used the Dalmatians as an integral part of the story. And so you could tell like from the beginning, oh my gosh, you know, this is where she got her hatred of these dogs. So now I guess I can kind of understand why she wants them dead, but that still kind of freaks me out. But then right when you think maybe she's gonna do it, it doesn't happen. And so I'm really glad that they completely changed that up for us. And Disney's also really good with found family stories. And I, you know, granted, you know, Estella did find family amongst thieves, but it was family nonetheless. And that was like a really lovely theme as she progressed and, you know, even into her villainy, you know, they still stuck by her even as they were complaining that she was, that she was hard to work with. But I, I really love this story. And Monica, like you said, I also think that this has become one of my favorite live action Disney movies. I can agree to that. I thought initially that, uh, we would get an explanation for why she is so into fur and killing animals for it. Well, we still don't know that exactly, because like you said, Monica, Maddie, that uh, there is a moment in the movie where I think, okay, that's the reason why uh, she hates the nations, but uh, not really, because uh, the events that follow later in the movie tell us why she's going mad and bad, but not why she is so into having fur or killing animals for it. I don't think that's the Cruella we are used to from the old movies, from either the animated one or the live action one from 96. I think Disney made Cruella here a rebellious figure against the Baroness who has still a good heart, heart in the right place. And she isn't the outright villain here. And I'm glad they did it the way they did or else I wouldn't call her my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. When I first started watching the film, I really thought that they were going to go the Anakin Skywalker route where you're going to see the origin story of how this person turned into be like a real baddie, right? And as you're watching the film, I think this is a credit to the way it was written. You're led to believe that that's what this is. You're led to see, oh, this is why she hates Dalmatians. And so I really loved that the story kept you thinking that she's gonna go bad because all of these terrible bad things happen to her and this is how people snap and then the twist in these films where you know she doesn't but you can see why people believe it like you see in the news reports where people are like is her coat made out of dogs you know she's happy to play the villain and she likes that kind of like 
am I bad? Am I good? I'll never really tell you. And I think that's part of her brand. And I think that's kind of like a gimmick. That's how she gets attention. And so I thought that was really cool. I also think it plays in nicely with, you know, Roger writing the song about Cruella. I think that she would really appreciate that because it's something that she wants people to think. So then let's talk about some of the characters and their casting. Uh, what did you guys think about the casting? The casting was perfect. I think every every actor that they cast for each character was perfect. Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, down to the background characters, even like the maid who gets a table or a chair thrown at her in one scene. Everyone was cast perfectly, and I feel like that really sets a stage. You know, it, obviously the casting sets the stage for the movie. I don't think that, you know, anyone, I wouldn't have changed anyone. Um, and I just, I can't say enough good things. <laughs> yeah, I can't add anything to that. I think it's a brilliant choice of people they put together. And uh, the two Emmas, they are fantastic opponents. They are acting together is so brilliant. It feels so natural. Um, yeah, and also I think I really enjoyed Emma Stone's British accent. She's American and it's just so funny to see her do so well with that British accent. Emma Stone's acting for me was just top notch. The scenes where she's crying and emotional, the scenes where she's Corella, the scenes where she's Estella, all of it, like she can switch from one character to another, one mood to another so graciously so easily I mean she makes it look easy I don't know if acting is easy or not like I would have no idea but she makes it look easy and she's just so talented mm -hmm. like I really was like wow you could see a lot of her range here absolutely wonderful Emma Thompson like wow mm -hmm. she is just really good at being bad I was impressed and I like what you said Maddie about you know even the the lady that, you know, got a chair thrown at her, even her reaction was really good acting. And just all of the side characters were really good. Mm -hmm. I really did like that they also brought in people of color. Yes. It was so nice to see more people of color in a Disney film, because we definitely didn't see that in the live actions for 101 Dalmatians. And I really appreciate it. I think that they made really good choices with Anita and with Roger. I think the movie felt more what the real world would look like. Who were your favorite characters? Aside from the main characters, um, I would have to say Artie and John. Artie is just so fabulous. And to exude that confidence is like something that I aspire to. You know, the scene where Cruella, or I think at the time she was Estella, but when she's like, you know, how does that look get you on the street? And Artie says, well, I'm never called normal because that would be the ultimate insult. I just, I love it. I love it so much. And I, I love how he became an important part of Cruella's revenge story. And I just... He, he was phenomenal and then John playing that background protector you know I watched it the first time and I didn't notice until the second time around that he recognized her multiple times in her life so obviously he was there when she was born and then as a as a child at the party he sees her hair and is like oh like I know who you are let's get out of here but at first I was like oh he's just kicking some kid out of the party like that's his job he's the big bouncer the guy who's you know making sure that the baroness isn't bothered but ultimately he was looking out for her and I really 
I really liked that a lot about him. Yeah, Artie and John are one of my favorites as well, apart from Estella and Cruella. Uh, I also loved the young Estella, like she had such energy and uh, was showing the rebellious side already. And um, like when she throws herself at the chair of the headmaster every time, it was just fun to watch. And I'm a bit sad that we didn't see more of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like what you guys said about John the valet and then Artie the shopkeeper. And obviously, uh, young Estella was brilliant. I really enjoyed all those characters. I think for me, the character that really stood out a lot was Jasper, Joel Fry. He was, I when I saw Jasper, I felt like he was the moral compass of the group where, you know, he's always trying to rein in Cruella. He's always trying to kind of keep the group together. And he's a little bit of a dad. He's a little bit of a brother. But, you know, he's definitely, even though, you know, Cruella is made to feel more like the boss, I think he is also very much like, you know, in charge of the group. It's Jasper who, you know, brings Cruella into their gang. Mm -hmm. And then it's Jasper who gets Cruella the dream job that she wanted. And I just think that the Jasper was a really interesting character. Like he loved her not like romantically speaking, but just as like you would your friend or a family. And he wanted the best for her and he knew she deserved better than to be doing, you know, grifts with with them. And he was also like the audience. There's like a point where he's saying, you know, do you really need the necklace? You don't have to do all this. We don't have to. Why are you risking a job that you love? You know, there's all these points where whenever Cruella is about to go off the end, he's like, uh, you're making a big deal out of nothing. Let's calm down. Let's refocus. But he's always the one calling out Cruella's bad behavior from the beginning. He was like, hey, that's not nice. Hey, don't do that. But then like, so it's almost like we as the audience, as we're watching it, we're reacting along with Jasper. Even when he defends her, you know, when she breaks the bowl of cereal, uh, Horace is really upset. And he's like, yeah, but it's about her mom, you know? Mm -hmm it's making her a little crazy and so like there's always this i feel like jasper's the moral compass he's always trying to see both sides but in the end he just really loves cruella wants the best for her and i and he loves horace as well too Mm -hmm. yeah so i think jasper really was one of my favorite characters let's not forget the dogs Yes. Oh my god, the dogs oh, are so great. Yes, right? Wink and Buddy, they're just so cute. Like, but the eye patch. They did a really great job. Yes. But yeah, so many great dogs. I would like to see a behind the scenes on the dog trainers and the performances. Oh, actually, there were 16 different canine performers. Oh, wow. I just Google it for the 96 live action movie, and there they had. 230 puppies and 20 adult Dalmatians. Wow. Whoa. I thought 16 was a lot. (laughs) But obviously this is, you know, not dealing with the 101 Dalmatians, whereas like the 96 films were. It's so hard, especially for Dalmatians to see with the spots. So I think experts can say, okay, that's not the same dog from the scene we saw wow. before. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Wow. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Yeah, the dogs were absolutely great. 
I appreciate it. Yes. All right. So as far as performances goes, whose performance impressed you? And were there any performances that you weren't particularly fond of? So there are zero performances that I did not like. Um, Like I said earlier, I have nothing but good things to say about the cast. I think both of the Emma's performances just blew me away. And what I love about this story is... Yes, Cruella is technically a Disney villain, but then you have the Baroness who's just that much more evil. And so it was just to see Emma, you know, Emma Stone play Estella, you know, who's honestly trying, you know, in the beginning she was, you know, honestly trying to make a name for herself. She wanted to impress the Baroness. And then for her to flip was outstanding. And like you were saying earlier, Monica, how she could just go from Estella to Cruella really quick was amazing. Um, And then Emma Thompson, just how purely evil she was, um, made you root for Cruella that much more, you know? And just like every time... Every time the Baroness smiled, it was like, ooh, you're so self-absorbed and you're so bad. Like, just, she really made you dislike her and it was absolutely phenomenal. So in Disney films in the past, like animated specifically, they were very black and white. The villain was the villain, right? They're like, she's just bad and that's the end of it, right? She's a bad person. And there's not a lot of explanation. And a lot of Disney films have that where just you're bad because you're bad, right? Mm -hmm. So in Cruella, I feel like they really did a good job of kind of explaining how somebody can go bad and kind of like a didn't make everything black and white. They made it a little bit more gray area. But do you think that they've done that to the Baroness? I don't think the Baroness is bad for the sake of being bad and for the sake of Cruella looking good and i say that in quotes you obviously we don't condone killing people because they upset you you know we don't condone you know pushing people off of cliffs because you don't want them in your life anymore right so- you don't <laughs> no sorry <laughs> so so and so and so no, sorry, no you're fine and so you know those things yes are very black and white but the baroness is talented you know she obviously got where she is you know yes she was married to a man with money um but she did have an eye for fashion she was very talented um but she did go about it in all of the wrong ways um and so i don't think she was bad for the sake of being bad um i think you know she is just a very she's a very self-absorbed person she'll climb the ladder as she feels she needs to um even if we don't condone or obviously like the way she does things um but i do think that you know she did you know emma thompson played a really good a really really good villain um but she is a villain that i don't see any redeeming qualities in if that makes sense no i don't think they did it to make her look good she is a very narcissistic person she um 
of course she had talent that's how she got into this uh, money can't buy everything so she must have been talented fashion designer once but that's now like she is not designing herself as far as i can tell like she lets all her minions uh, design her signature pieces and all her collection and she protects herself um with putting them down so she can appear the talented goddess if it wasn't for the murder <laughs> i would just say she is a very bad character but not necessarily evil yeah the pushing people off the cliff uh, and uh, using her dogs uh, for that especially um makes her bad and i have no minute in the movie where i see her showing something right. good like she's all doing it for her own yeah and you mentioned a good point mark the valet says that she's narcissistic and they show a look into when she got pregnant and even the Baroness mentions, you know, you can't care about anybody. You have to get ahead. Otherwise, your talent will be wasted. And I think, you know, being narcissistic can be a personality disorder. So I don't know that she always started out bad. But when you have a lot of money and a lot of enablers, it can be very clear how you end up that way. Whereas, you know, Estella probably is also narcissistic and, you know, maybe has a personality disorder as well, but because she had a different environment, you know, where she had not only a mother who loved her, but she had Jasper and Horace. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why she didn't go the same route, but it's very possible that Corella could have gone the same route as the Baroness had she had enablers and had she had, you know, all the money and all the luxury that the Baroness had. I think that when you have like an army of people who are willing to cover up when you have the finances to cover up all your misdeeds take out your competitors it's like things start to stack up mm -hmm. so like you said i didn't see any redeeming qualities about the baroness except in one scene where she tries to explain to corella why she is the way she is it did seem like you know she wanted to kind of mentor Estella and teach her like how not to fail even though it was a little bit twisted mm -hmm. but yeah she I didn't really see a lot of redeeming qualities with mm -hmm. the Baroness so I'm just wondering if they they made her the the black and white just you're a bad person right but anyways uh Corinna back to you what were the performances that impressed you and the ones that you were just indifferent about? Um, yeah, there was, first of all, no actor that I wasn't fond of, uh, brilliant actors. Um, there were some that I was very annoyed by, like the Baroness's assess assistant or the Liberty's uh, shop manager. Yes. Right. <laughs> that shows good acting qualities. Mm -hmm. Like, I was... Oh, this this guy is making me cringy. Yes. <laughs> um, like that banana scene and like, well, he making this gagging noises. Mm -hmm. Even when he, the manager is embarrassed, like by the Baroness, when she tells him that he that he smells, and he's like, oh, okay, like, <laughs> have we not all been in these awkward situations where we're like, oh my gosh? Mm -hmm. And I think the acting there was like 
phenomenal. Yeah. I really love that. Yes. Yeah. And I I am now a super fan of Emma Stone because her performance was so good. Like you said before, I uh, I didn't knew that she was American. Um, she sounded British to me. Um, good, very good accent here. But her voice uh, in particular, like she has different voices when she plays Estella mm -hmm. and Cruella. Like this dog, hello darling. Um, the smoky voice that suits that psychotic character so much mm -hmm. but she also manages to slightly put more psychotic traits uh, into Estella like you can see that she there's a curve she's slowly going bad mad but on the other hand Cruella has still um, some good parts so it's uh, Estella and Cruella are not black and white good and bad both have a part of the other one in them it's like yin and yang a bit mm -hmm. i was really impressed by the performances all the way around i you both mentioned some really good scenes i really love jasper you guys yeah <laughs> like he was his great performances were really good i just liked it anita was was really great too i thought she was adorable and cute mm -hmm. and just kind of like she didn't have a huge part in the film but it was just kind of nice to see her there mm -hmm. and I liked her little moments with Cruella you know especially when you know they're reunited after so long you know and she's like you're a little weird man <laughs> <laughs> and can we just can we just give huge props to the kids who played the younger versions I mean they were so cute yeah and even like the fight scene with young Estella with the mm -hmm. boys and when yes. she's screaming and roaring yes. that was yes. really good right yes. like mm -hmm. I was like this is funny <laughs> I mean it's not funny but it was but, funny yes yes I always feel like and the aesthetics of a film are its own character there were officially 96 sets and the team dressed 130 different sets all together what did you guys think about the sets on Corolla? Did you have any favorites? Tell me your favorites. My favorite scene, my favorite set um, was the pop-up fashion show where um, Artie is singing, um, you know, Now I Want to Be a Dog, and you have his helpers all dressed in the outfits, um, and then Cruella comes out wearing the polka-dotted outfit, and, you know, you just, that, that also was the moment where you were like, she did it she this is she clearly has destroyed these dogs and then you find out that she didn't right and then jasper looks really upset during yes, that scene too yes. so i was like Ooh. yes as he he's like reluctantly playing the guitar right and you have horace as the dj and just the lighting in that whole scene was absolutely stunning all the outfits were amazing i think if i were to cosplay a version of Cruella it would be that Dalmatian inspired outfit and I do think that that was the purpose behind that outfit was she was clearly sending a message to the Baroness like I have your dogs think about that as you will you know and so that was just amazing and then the Hellman Hall where everyone is dressed as Cruella was amazing and they were all dressed as Cruella but they all looked different at least that's how I how I felt about it but it was really impressive that they were all dressed in black with the black and white wigs and yeah those I think those were my two absolute like favorite sets and moments 
Yeah, absolutely. For the pop-up fashion show, they had 250 people as part of the cast for that. Wow. So it was a big production. And then they went through about 500 pairs of shoes for that one. That that was a big production and a big set. Lots of props. And like you were saying, the Viking ball. Yeah. So for the Viking ball where everyone was dressed up as Cruella, there were 74 people dressed as Cruella. And can I just say Horace rocked that look? Like, <laughs> I, I loved the moment he turned around. I was like, yes, of course he's dressed as Cruella. I love it so much. 200 cans of white spray paint were or white spray were used on the wigs. 88 wigs total, four hours of prep time for each wig, 80 dresses, um, and then there were 175 cast members, including 74 Cruellas, 71 male guests, 10 security guards, and 13 waiters. And That's a huge production. That's so many people, and 2,672 candles. Like, that is impressive. To say the least. Yeah. And then there's also another note from the production team where they said that four people made the paper flowers for that by hand and it took five weeks. Wow. So it's just very impressive stats. (laughs) Like very impressive. London is the most or my favorite city. Uh, So... I was happy that they had filmed there, like in the original animated and live action movie. I saw so many familiar places and I got a bit heartsick because we can't travel because, you know, the pandemic. I loved the loft because it was always a dream of mine to live in a loft myself, like having a gallery with my artwork and a display for all my cosplay stuff instead of <laughs> squeezing in, into a wardrobe, like having open space for everything. Um, I mean, she lived in a warehouse. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> they had plenty of yeah. space. <laughs> However, I'm, I'm not sure how they managed it to live there because when they were young, I think the place was abandoned. Yeah. But 10 years later, they still live there. So doesn't the owner of the house care about it at all? Or do they legally uh, rent it after a while? Um, Yeah. So I was thinking about that too. And I was like, well, maybe they like were able to rig up plumbing and electricity and all that because they're thieves, right? So So I thought that that maybe that's how they did it. But I was like, yeah, but eventually there's like an owner, right? We're just going to write it off to Disney magic. Disney magic. Like- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Disney magic. Disney magic explains it all. Always. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, I love the secondhand shop, second time around, because obviously shopping in thrift stores is amazing. And I miss that too, especially in London. Both are amazing there. And a funny side note is that in the second live action movie 102 Dalmatians there is this dog home which is called Second Chance so maybe there's a bit maybe it's a little bit of a callback yeah these are the little things that when you rewatch the old movies you see okay I knew what they did there now and why they did this you know the only thing that I was hoping to hear that I didn't hear, and I it makes sense that they wouldn't say it in this film because you know fur is not a good thing, but in the in the Hundred and One Dalmatians, the animated plus the first live action movie, Brella says, "What woman in this wretched world doesn't love fur?" 
And so, it, and it's funny because that same exact line is said in both the animated and the live action, but you don't see it in Corella. And so I was just waiting to see if maybe she would say it, but she doesn't say it. So, and it's probably because fur is not good. We don't want to buy furs. That's not nice. But <laughs> maybe they don't want to romanticize furs. Because right. I feel like they really stepped away from that mm-hmm. in this. I imagine that. The original was in the 60s and even the live action in 96. And the big wave of uh, stopping to produce fur came after that. So Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. For me, I agree with you. I love the set in uh, the loft in London. And it made sense that they lived in the warehouse. It made sense for the storyline because, you know, you have, you can move in this whole production team of people into this warehouse to start working on these big elaborate schemes that Cruella is doing. I love the Marie Antoinette ball. I think because as a cosplayer, I just have a deep appreciation for costumes and things like that. There was... 152 wigs in that one. The supporting cast is 150 people, including the party guest and all the catwalk models and the band. Just I just thought that was very beautiful. Really everything that the that the Baroness did, all her parties were very beautiful. The back black and white ball, everything. If you look at every costume, like no expense was was spared any side person had a fabulous outfit and so i thought that all the sets look beautiful a lot of it because of the detail that went into the props i don't think i have anything really bad to say about this film oh my god but yeah i i did also like the the pop-up fashion show one of the things that i kept thinking afterwards i'm like who cleaned up this mess right Right. Who's going to clean up this mess, right? Like everybody just took off because the cops were coming. And I was like, nobody noticed these people setting up outside. (laughs) Right. Again, Disney magic. Disney magic. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that kind of is its own character to me is the music. The Cruella original motion picture soundtrack and the Cruella original score album, both from Walt Disney Records are available now. Multi-platinum and award-winning artist Florence and the Machines performed the new original song, Call Me Cruella. The movie had a large sampling of 1970s songs and also an original score by Nicholas Brittle. What did you guys think about the music? Um, I feel like the music really sets the tone for the film. I don't know if you guys have ever seen those videos where they're like, music is important and they change like the song over a scene and it completely changes the meaning and the feel. Well, the the soundtrack here was amazing. I, I love it when they use popular songs and it, it, it matched the aesthetic perfectly. It matched, it, it matched the fashion. It, it, it just, it was, it was awesome. And I've had the soundtrack on repeat since I have seen the movie <laughs> the first time. Nice. Yeah. Same for me. I bloody love it. Listening to it nonstop uh, all, all day long. And yeah, there are many popular songs that you know. And I, I think it's nice that when you have those songs that you know, then you can sing along mm-hmm. and groove along with them. Yes. Instead of just having soundtrack that uh, is instrumental. And especially that 70s punk rock underlines the rebellious side of Cruella. Mm-hmm. 
like punk rock was that rebellious music style and Cruella is also a rebellious person. I loved especially two scenes when Estella redecorates the window. They've chosen these boots are made for walking and that made that scene even more awesome. And the other one uh, was uh, One Way or Another, which is one of my favorites. And they use this in this movie when Cruella crashes all the Baroness scenes, like when she's going to events and then Cruella comes in and crashes these appearances. And that's one of my favorite songs in general. And so I was happy to hear that here again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always say that music was my first fandom. And it was like the first thing that I really, really like, just absolutely loved. Mm -hmm. I think what was so appealing about the trailer was the music in the trailer. And also the fact that it just completely carried into the film. Uh, I love that they knew what they were doing. I really felt like they were trying to target teenage me, like the teenage version of me. I grew up in the 80s. And so 70s music is something that you just heard all the time that you grew up with. And, you know, I love the range as well, because you do have from Blondie, but you also have like, mm -hmm. you know, Nancy Sinatra and you have Ike and Tina Turner. And then you, when the Baroness walks into the doors, it's just, it, it's, it's a pretty wide range. It's not just like the punk rock sounds, but it's a wide range of music. And uh, I really, really appreciated that. And I think it just spoke to a very teenage me who loved clothes and loved music. And so I was super fond of it. But also, like you said, when you know all the lyrics, it just puts you into it. You know, it's just you're just vibing. And I loved it so much. The Call Me Cruella song by Florence and the Machine was a good was a good end credit song. Mm -hmm. But it's not something that I've been listening to. I've noticed I've skipped it on the playlist a lot. So like I'm jumping yeah. more to listening mm -hmm. to like older songs that I miss that I used to listen to a lot more when I was younger versus this new song. I think it felt perfect in the end credit scene. I thought it felt right, but it, it didn't feel like something I'd hear on the radio. It'd be more something that just made sense with the movie. And I think that's probably why they put it at the end. I feel like that's the, the feeling is, you know, we put all the, you know, all the songs that everyone's gonna know in the movie like you guys were saying, so you can vibe and sing along and you're like, oh, I love this song. I know this song. And then at the end, as you're watching the credits roll, you're like, oh, okay. Call oh, this is this is a pretty good song. Like, wow, like they they wrote an original song for this film. Like, it sounds really cool. But ultimately, as you're watching the whole movie, they want you to have that nostalgic feeling. And even for the younger kids, you know, who are watching it or someone like myself who didn't grow up with 70s music but heard it as an adult you know can still enjoy these songs and then you get the new one yeah also a thing is that uh we hear that song after estella died so there is just cruella now and we can only call her cruella because estella isn't anymore so maybe that was another reason why they put it at the end <laughs> So the fashion was pretty extensive for this. And I know we've touched on it when we were talking about sets and everything like that. But just to give our audience a little bit of context, the main cast had a total of 277 costumes. Cruella and Estella had a total of 47 changes throughout the film. 
It was like a two hour film and she changed 47 times. The Baroness had 33 different costume changes and Horace and Jasper each had 30 different costume changes. I mean, that's a lot. And that it's, and it's not just about the costume changes as much as it is the quality of these costumes, right? So like on the petals on Cruella's car dress, there was 5,000 of those and 393 meters of organza fabric used on that. I mean, the time that it would take to build a costume like this is, it's crazy. So I guess I want to hear your overall thoughts on the costumes. Did you have any favorites? Again, there's nothing about this movie that I'm just whatever about. Like you said earlier, Monica, I can't say anything bad about this movie. I do love that in the beginning, Estella used her love for fashion to make costumes for the three of them to do their jobs. And so, you know, that that attests to the costume changes as well, because it was like scene after scene, they were in something completely different and they all looked so good. You know, I don't know if I have a favorite costume, honestly. I've always loved the punk rock look, the the chunky boots, you know, the chains, the fishnets. Like, I've always admired that style. And it's taken all of me not to, like, throw out my entire wardrobe and go to, like, Hot Topic and buy all of theirs. All of their, all their inspired outfits. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, you know, they did an incredible job, you know, putting, you know, so much thought and detail into every single piece. And they all always looked incredible. And I I can't at this moment pinpoint a favorite of mine. They were all really good. I don't know where to begin on that fashion uh, topic. Um, (laughs) I love the contrast between the Baroness and Cruella. The Baroness was always over the top as a fashion designer, like her clothes was so not wet for noble people mm-hmm. and the and Cruella was wearing that rebellious stuff with punk rock elements that she also has from Estella like you said the fishnet and the chains so there is fluent it, it, the style is fluent uh, between them uh, and I also like that scene when Cruella reveals herself at that ball uh, first she has that white coat and then she burns it and has that red dress that is originally from the Baroness and the Baroness mm-hmm. says oh yeah that's why I like it uh, and she's like yeah yeah but I fixed it I love um, that <laughs> yeah, I do love both Stella's and uh, Cruella's clothes so that red dress and the one outfit that she wears right after that ball uh, where she goes to Anita's office with that extended shoulders, mm, which reminded mm-hmm. me of one of Glenn Close Cruella. Like she had also this extended shoulder parts. That's the first two looks I will be doing as my cosplay favorites. But I also like the Dalmatian, Dalmatian in quotes, uh, coat. The inspired. Mm-hmm. So that's also something as a cosplay I'd like to do, but... Yeah, that film is not good for me as a cosplayer with 47 costumes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And you're like, all right, I need a red wig and I need a black and white one. But then her hair is curly here. So I need a curly wig and now I need a straight wig and now I need a short wig. I have I have two Cruella wigs now and an Estella wig is on the way. Um, yeah, this will ruin me. <laughs> yeah. 
I also love that garbage dress where she falls out of um, the garbage truck of the garbage mm -hmm. truck, and then and then you have this I don't know how many meters long of tool um, and organza that are just thing. trailing her train. Yeah, yeah. it's just that is so cool, but something that's not practical, like the flower dress that's gorgeous, and I love to see someone doing it but um yeah i'm really excited I, to I see all the corilla cosplays that will come back once ons are back yes. i think there's a lot to work with on this film mm -hmm. this film is like Absolutely. a cosplayer's dream and also nightmare <laughs> i was just gonna say and nightmare yeah <laughs> yes but on the other hand you can just wear uh, the, the most important thing is the wig like when you have a black and white wig then you can dress up in leather and black and put on chains and stuff and everyone will recognize you. So um, you don't have to be screen accurate um, to be Cruella. And that's uh, also a good thing. But I still want as many costumes <laughs> as I can get. I really agree with what you said about, you know, cosplay and just the point of it is just being recognizable, right? So a black and white wig for Cruella, just, you know, it's so easy, you know, very, very recognizable. And if you look up Cruella DeVille cosplays, like even in a hashtag search or just Google images, there's not one particular version of Cruella that people do or one really specific one. It's very just get the colors, you know? Mm -hmm. Very few people do the actual fur coat from the animated series. Most of them just do the black, white, and red. I think you're totally right about that. The costumes were done by Academy Award winner Jenny Beaven, and she's known for Mad Max, Fury Road, and A Room with a View. And she's been designing costumes forever, and she, I think, killed it, the Corella costumes. She said that the Baroness was influenced by Dior fashions, uh, like Elizabeth and like fashion icons, you know, like Elizabeth Taylor and Jane Crawford. So she had a very specific look. They knew what they were doing. And like you both mentioned, there was a very big difference in the way that the Baroness looked and the designs for Corella. So I really loved what Jenny did with these costumes. I think that as far as the Cruella costumes, I really love It's a really quick moment because it's in the montage where they're showing how they're stealing everything. And it's like mm -hmm. this very groovy look where she's wearing like this little uh, floral dress and she's got a headband and sunglasses on. And it's right at this scene where she's about to steal a car with Jasper and Horace. Oh. And that outfit I've been thinking about forever. And it's like, you only see it for like a second, but I loved it so much. I really liked all the, the outfits then. And I also liked the outfit she's wearing where she first walks into Artie's shop. And it's this mm -hmm. kind of very grunge look. I really loved that look. I was very fond of Jasper's fashion. He had this kind of rude boy, ska looking kind of look. And I'm a big fan of Ska, so uh, I really liked a lot of what he was wearing. You know, the plaid, the the boots. I just, I liked Jasper's look a lot, but also I'm a big fan of, you know, Jasper as a character in general. Mm -hmm. 
as far as costumes go, I don't know, man, there's just so many really great ones. I think they did a great job with the fashion. The costumes from the 1996 film 101 Dalmatians for Corella, they were very eccentric. Whereas the Baroness's costumes were, they felt more high fashion, more glamorous than they did eccentric. They weren't wild and crazy, whereas Corella was very wild and crazy. So I did like kind of seeing that parallel that Corella just had a more wilder side, both in the live action 96 film and in this one. But yeah, um, I think really I liked all the costumes that Estella created for them while they were doing their grifts and robbing people. (laughs) Another question that I have for you now that we're speaking about robbing people and things like that. Some of the early reviews were saying that this film glorifies toxic behaviors and it kind of sets up bad people as heroes. So what are your thoughts on that? What's your take? So... Again, it kind of goes back to this is a movie about a villain who is up against an even bigger villain. And so I think when you look at that, um, I don't think it's so much as glorifying toxic behavior. You know, you could also kind of think about it. um, I know Karine and I were talking about this a little bit. um, Is the Devil Wears Prada. Um, You know, in in that movie... Um, you know, you have the, the the young girl who's coming in who just wants to try really hard, but she's like getting beat down by the editor um, and nothing she does is good enough. And so she kind of has to change basically how she how she acts and how she works to fit into this environment. Um, and, you know, that's unfortunate. But when you're in like such a like a fast paced world, like the fashion industry, it's it's kill or be killed, metaphorically speaking, unless you're the Baroness, then it really is. <laughs> She's good. You know, you got to watch out. Um, but I don't think it, I don't think it was glorifying toxic behavior. I think those are the characters. Like we were talking about with the narcissistic behavior, being full of yourself. Um, when you watch a movie about a villain or an origin story about a villain, you're going to get bad. And I think you just have to go into that knowing she's not the Cruella we grew up with, which I loved. Um, But like we were saying earlier, the Baroness has no redeeming qualities. Yes, the stealing was bad, um, but they were poor kids who didn't have anything else. They didn't have um, like a guiding light for them. Um, You know, Cruella or Estella says a number of times when she's talking to her mom at the fountain, you know, I'm trying. I know this isn't exactly what you had in store for me, but, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think that it's uh, going out and telling people that uh, bad behaviors are rewarded because ultimately Cruella does apologize for going crazy and, you know, is just going to continue on this path of let's be revengeful in a way that doesn't get anyone killed you know um and so i know that was kind of a tangent um um, but yeah i i don't think it's glorifying anything toxic i think if you're gonna watch a movie about a villain then you're gonna get bad behaviors yeah i can't see that either like yes they stole 
stuff, but they were all orphans. Um, they do what they had to do to survive. They didn't go to school, I guess, so they do not have the education to get actual jobs, I think. And as you said, um, Cruella also um, said sorry about uh, being that bad. And uh, yeah, like uh, we, we talked about the uh, Devil West Prada um, shows a good insight into the fashion industry, um, which does Cruella uh, as well. Um, and uh, like we talked about earlier, that scene where Baroness and Estella are drinking on the new signature piece, uh, we get a even more insight into that um but it's not if if the baroness in the end would have won um and would have benefited even more from that then i would get it um yes she killed estella's mother and um benefited from that uh, a long time um, and she tried to do that with Stella as well to keep the fortune of her husband. Um, but she did not succeed in the end. So um, you see the toxic behavior of the Baroness uh, didn't give her a happy ending. So I don't get it why they say they glorify it. I can wrap my head around why people would think it. Like, oh, look, we're pulling all these jobs and we look cool doing it and we're doing it to like a cool montage music and you know we're the main characters everybody loves us like in the beginning where Jasper Horace and Cruella are you know they're doing these griffs but like you said uh they're doing it to stay alive they're doing it because it's all they know they really don't know another way but at the same time when Jasper even though he did it in a sneaky way gets Estella that job Estella, she was cleaning toilets and scrubbing the floor. And she was willing to do that to try to get ahead. She was willing to do it for the right reasons. And so I don't think she she didn't sneak her way into the top, for example, right? She snuck her way into the very bottom entry-level position at that company, which was cleaning the toilets, scrubbing the floors, right? She was doing all the dirty work. So I think that... I can understand why people would say, oh, it's toxic to like glorify stealing cars and jewels and, you know, all these grifts. But at the same time, these kids, even though I know they're like in their 20s, but these young people are trying to do something better as well. Or at least, you know, Jasper's trying to help Estella get there. And then also you see their family start to fall apart when Cruella starts to have these bad behaviors where she starts being, you know, mean to Horace and Jasper, and she runs the risk of losing her family that she loves. And, but it also, you know, there, there's a lot of times where they make excuses for Cruella and doing what they do. But I think in, in a family, sometimes we do that with our own siblings, our own parents, things like that. They do something that's not great. And you just kind of forgive them because they're your family and what are you going to do just like never talk to them again you know and so mm -hmm. she does apologize she does say she was wrong to act that way and she changes even though she's still for the public putting on this persona of this evil Cruella 
But, you know, when she gets all this money that she inherits, she does take them all with her. John the valet is there. Artie is there. Horace and Jasper are there with her, you know? And I don't think that in the end it glorifies anything. The Baroness also goes to jail. So I think it's teaching that lesson that if you do bad, you go to jail. Corella started being bad and she was almost burned alive. So, and there's that yeah. point where Jasper tells Corella, you know, killing her is not going to make you feel any better. You know, there's all this pain. She caused you pain. I know that, you know, you should get this revenge, but it's not going to actually take away your hurt and your pain. The bad things that you do aren't going to fix it. You know, so I thought that was a, mm-hmm. a really interesting thing to put in there. Anyways, those are my thoughts. And before we wrap up, any final thoughts? I loved the fact, and I was shocked, pleasantly surprised at this, that there was no love story. It's like a romantic story, right? We had like the love. Yes, yes, a romantic love story. I'm sorry. Because there was the family and the love that she had for her mom and her found family. But there was no romance and I, when I finished the movie, I was like, Disney, like, thank you for this breath of fresh air that was not like, you know, Estella got hurt by a man. And so now she's seeking revenge, you know, like that's, that was the issue I had with Maleficent, where she became this evil monster fairy lady because a guy hurt her, you know, and it, it and it was, I enjoyed Maleficent. But with Cruella, it was, you know, the story was she had this dream. She lost her mom. She thought her dream was crushed. She worked her way through it. And then you kind of see, you know, her full story with her family. Um, And it was just a really fun, exciting movie. Um, And I was pleasantly surprised by the entire film. Um, And I keep telling people who are hesitant to see it, to go see it. (laughs) It's so worth it. So uh, the movie has been brilliant. Like we like everything and love everything. I struggle a bit with the connection to the older Cruella in uh, the original movies. Like, yeah, there was a point in the movie when she was joking about making fur or a coat out of the Dalmatians. And we saw a little spark of that Cruella. In the end, we did not get any explanation of why she likes fur. And uh, we didn't see her get totally psychotic and mad like her uh, older Cruella is. She is not the puppy killer we are used to know. And even I'm a bit struggling with the mid credit scene where she gifts um, Roger and Anita some puppies that are called Perdita and Pongo. Like we know are the uh, ones that bring them together and uh, are the parents of the 15 puppies. Um, So um, that is not quite satisfying for me because now you have to think about did she set that up? Did she want them to meet and uh, also the dogs to meet and make puppies for her coat? Um, Or was that a way Disney wanted to brutally make a connection to uh, the classics? Yeah, I think there's room for more. I think we deserve a sequel. But on the other hand, (laughs) I'm afraid that this will then show us uh, Cruella going really bad. 
So yeah, that's a bit. I was just going to say, I feel like with this movie, I, I know they say it's an origin story. And like you were saying, Karina, there was no like, okay, well, why did she end up this insane, you know, like in the animated movie? Um, I felt like this was more of a reimagining of the character versus an origin story. So once I thought about it that way, it made way more sense. And I still enjoyed the nods to, you know, they would make a very handsome coat, you know, or then she sent them the puppies. Like for me personally, I liked that part was like, oh, look, oh, she sent them the puppies. Okay, so that's how they get the puppies this time. You know, like if you think about it being a reimagining of the character, then it kind of changes the, it kind of changes the whole dynamic. You know what I mean? That's just, that's how I, just for me personally. It's not like the MCU where it's like, you know, oh, Carol Danvers in the 90s, this is how Nick Fury ended up with a scratch in his eye. And like, it carries on into like, future movies i think this is like Mm -hmm. you said a retelling of this story and it's definitely not completely tied into the 101 dalmatians live action film from 1996 or the animated series and in this version cruella is actually the one who gives roger and anita perdita and pongo and in the film Anita and Roger don't meet. So in Cruella, they don't meet. So there is a chance to say that later on, they may on a walk at the park or whatever. So that is still possible. I see what you're saying, Karina. It's like, it it would have been nice if it was an origin story that wrapped up into it. But I'm glad, I'm kind of glad it didn't only because I wanted to like Cruella. And if she ended up a psychotic puppy killer, I couldn't jump on board with that. You know what I mean? And I think that's why I was hesitant about the movie to begin with, because I'm like, why are we excited about this lady who's going to go all Darth Vader on us, you know? Even though, (laughs) you know, Darth Vader is an interesting character, right? We still loved Anakin Skywalker, even though he killed all the younglings. Yeah, but but he doesn't kill puppies. Right. Like, he kills movies. It kills kids. This is kills kids. for me. If someone kills puppies, I'm no, no, I'm not. It's like kill the kids, whatever, but don't kill the yes. dogs. Yes. Um, but yeah, yeah. so I really thought timeline. Yeah, yeah, it's just a different universe. It's just a retelling, yes. and I, I really thought that we were gonna see, like, the Darth Vader type origin story where Cruella was mm. gonna go psychotic, but I'm glad that it didn't go that way. Yeah. Because I feel like I would have been like, oh, I hate her. Whereas right now I'm like, oh, I love right. her. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. 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 Also, when, so. you, when you go back to the old movies, which I watched recently, the dynamics between Cruella and uh, Jasper and Horace are totally different than the old movies. Like they are, mm-hmm. uh, you can see it when, when she turns into Cruella that they are having respect or are even a bit afraid of her and in the old movies they are totally afraid of her um they do everything what she mm-hmm. says uh, and uh she does not have respect for them and so um yeah i was a bit worried about the boys <laughs> that she uh, turns on them but i'm glad that they stayed family uh and they move into that mansion together 
Yeah, it would have been easy to understand if they left her, you know, because I you know, at one point I'm like, why are you guys putting up with this? But it's a little bit of a, a back and forth. And I think that's realistic in a sense, because, you know, when you have friend that you love and care about, and you remember all these good things about them, and all of a sudden they start acting up, it's very hard to kind of like, just walk away from somebody. It's easy as the audience to be like, well, they shouldn't put up with that. But in reality, like in our lives, that's not necessarily the case, you know, and they do make amends and they do kind of, you know, she apologizes for the evil and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I get it. I get why they wouldn't just, why they would keep doing all this stuff for her. I think that this is going to wrap up this episode of the Temple Geek podcast. I want to thank everyone who tuned in today and especially our guests, Maddie and Corona. Can you please let everybody know where they can find you on social media? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch, mad underscore Hoovian. Um, and you can find me on Instagram and TikTok as Maddie underscore Hoovian. Yeah, you can find me as the underscore impossible underscore cosplay on Instagram and on TikTok as the underscore impossible underscore girl. All right. Well, I want to thank you both for being here today. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram using the handle at Temple of Geek. Do you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows? Why don't you head on over to templeofgeek.com? There you will find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash templeofgeek. And remember to visit templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.